Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Happy Not Kokomo Friday. Chris Towers, no Adam Azer again on a Friday. No Kokomo music. Adam needs to send me the file. If Adam sends me the file, because this is what happens, is I end up, when Adam's not here... Now you're hosting today, yes. which I appreciate. Yes. Usually that falls on me. Right. Uh, but I have to put the show together. I am, that is not my job. Not in my job description at right. all. I understand that. And so I end up having to edit the show, put it together. And if Adam doesn't send me Kokomo, guess what? There's no Kokomo. We don't have Kokomo, but we do have a very big show. And we have something from Adam Azer. We've got a regulator segment with a text message that I will read directly from Adam <laughs> If I could do an impersonation of him, maybe we'll call Scott and see if he can do Michael Caine doing Adam Azer whining about fantasy baseball. We've got sleeper hitters. We've got two-star pitchers. We've got weekend streamers, under-the-radar prospects for the second half, double dongs, and much, much more. Chris, let's get started. Your favorite two-star streamer for week, whatever next week is. 13. For some leagues. I have leagues where it's 14, where it's 12, and where it's 15. How would it be 15? Because... In our standard Roto League, that first week yeah. where they played one game. In, That'd only be 14. And then there was a two-game week, a three-game week because it started on Thursday. And then there was another next week. Yeah. Um, I think so. Maybe not. Who's your favorite streamer? I don't totally love the options this week. It's not a great week for it. There are some interesting streamers. I'm just not sure if any of them are good. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Adrian Sampson. Uh he struggled against the Red Sox last night. I don't think that's exactly the the biggest sin in the world, struggling against the Red Sox. It's still a good lineup. Um, but he does have great matchups. He's versus Cleveland versus the White Sox. Uh, he's doing some interesting things, so he, he's my choice for a two-star streamer. There are a lot of bad pitchers with decent matchups. Yeah. There's one that I'm not sure if he's bad. I'm pretty sure that he's not great or good. But Merrill Kelly has been good in his last three starts, at least seven innings. I think he's only given up two earned runs at the most in those three starts. And this week he gets two starts at home against the Rockies. The Rockies on the road are the second worst offense in baseball, worse than <laughs> the Marlins. And they always – like they have yeah. been for, for almost forever. And then the Giants, who aren't very good either. So I do think he's 45% owned. I think Merrill Kelly could be interesting this week at least in a points league. There's not a lot of guys that I want to start in a Roto League. We'll get more into that later in the show. Have you looked over the weekend streamers at all? I did. I put that together, yeah. and uh, I think there's some interesting options. Who's oh. your favorite? So there's two. They're both on Saturday. Jimmy Nelson at San Francisco. I'm not 100% sure he's fully healed from that uh, shoulder injury or back to full strength at least, so there's a little concern there. Or Sean Newcomb. You know, it's a tougher matchup versus Philadelphia. He's looked great since coming back from the minors. Has the walks under control. Um, We know there's talent there. Right. I think he only has two walks in like 21 innings since coming back from the minors. Yes, and I I think he's a good speculative ad. I'm a little concerned against the Phillies starting him when he's probably got like a five-inning max. Sure. Um, I don't know why no one shows any interest in Framber Valdez. That's that's another good one. I, Saturday has the best weekend streamers. Framber Valdez versus Toronto. That's a team that strikes out a lot. He's like he's thrown seventy innings in the major leagues and has a two four four ERA. Yeah, I mean a lot of that I'm was lucky. yeah, and a lot of that was pitching out of the bullpen. That's true. Where you usually see at least a half run increase going from a starter's role or from the bullpen into the starter's role, but. It's it's a nice place to start from, and yes. Toronto's a good matchup. I don't mind that. I think he's a good. He's worth an ad. Let's get to the big news. Some of it good, some of it bad. We'll start with the bad. Corey Seager has a grade one to two. It's like a one point seven. One point seven hamstring strain, likely out for a month. Let's say you were in a league where you don't have any IL spots available. They're all taken, and you twelve teams. 10 teams, 10 teams, points league, and there's no middle infielder. 
Are you stashing Corey Seager? Corey Seager had basically figured it out. He had a bad April, but since May, he's been very good. Um, but if it's a shallower league, 10 to 12 teams, like you said, no middle infield spot, I would prefer to, to stash him. But at this point, there's so many guys on the D or on the IL that you might not be able to. No, it, it's not crazy to think you might have to drop him in a 10 or 12 team points league. He is currently the number 13 shortstop in points leagues, which is not bad considering. And but he was really bad for a month. Right, right. John Carlos Stanton could be activated Tuesday, assuming he doesn't hurt himself again between now and then. Aaron Judge could begin a rehab assignment this weekend. He's going to need a little more time on that rehab assignment than Stanton did. Justin Upton could be back next next week. That's a must-own guy, right? All formats? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, you know, even... He, he's so inconsistent, but by the end of the season, he always ranks like 15th to 25th at outfield. He'll steal a couple of bases, um, hit for power, so yeah. And then Shohei Otani hit, but I feel like you're probably not a cycle guy. It's it, it's a nice statistical curio. He did hit for like, the that's cycle. That's a great game. On Thursday night. I I knew that you were uh, not going to be. Well, I just like really he, enjoy that. But I think twelve like, twelve ten bases total bases. Uh, that yeah. that would be eleven, right? And total 10, bases. Ten total bases. Okay, that's a very good game. It is a very good game. Scored two runs, drove three runs in. Uh, here's the, the question I have because we had kind of started talking about Shohei Otani like, yeah, he's not playing against lefties again, and he's not running again. Is he somebody you even need to own in a weekly lineup league? He's been very, very good as of late. Basically, ever since we started talking about that, his slash nine now, 281, 355, 12. Is Shohei Otani a must-own in a weekly lineup league? Roto, not points. Shohei Otani or Jock Peterson? I feel like they're kind of the same guy, except Otani might be better. Yeah, I think Otani's probably better. Peterson has slowed down quite a bit, I think, from his hot start. So I'll go with Otani just because... There's also just a chance that he's an everyday player at some point this year. Yeah, he, I, I think his time in the major leagues has been short enough that we could think that maybe he could hit left hit lefties at some point. I've mostly given up on the hope that Jock Peterson's ever going to successfully hit left-handed pitching. Uh, yeah, he has a 375 OPS against them this year. <laughs> it's only 24 plate appearances, but he struck out nine times with no walks. Let's take a look at the most added list, and it's a lot of guys that... Um, I don't know how excited I am about at the very top of the list. Adrian Sampson is now owned in 51% of leagues. Things did not go well for him last night against the Boston Red Sox. People may be regretting that decision. Gave up six earned runs. He does not need to be owned in 51. I guess he's a two-star pitcher. He's next a two-star week. pitcher the next week. So I, I think that's okay. You think he might actually be good though? Um, Good? Yeah. No, no, probably not. He doesn't strike enough guys out, uh, but he does have really good control, gives up too many fly balls. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see like a Marco Estrada, like a good Marco Estrada run from him. There's four pitchers on this list, yeah. and at least two of them, Samson and Plesak, are two start pitchers next week. I don't know about Lambert. Yeah. Um, But, like, ranking these pitchers, it's pretty easy for me that Plesak's first, then Valdez, then an enormous gap, then Sampson, then Lambert. Is that how you'd rank them? Uh, Yeah, I might rather have Valdez than Plesak, but I, I can't disagree with that. But th but those two are clearly ahead of the other two, and you look at Framer Valdez's ownership as a SPARP, 2% less owned than Sampson. I, I would much rather have Framer than Sampson, even if Sampson has two starts this week. Jordan Alvarez also on the list, now up to 90% owned. He needs to be 100% owned. Yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, you got some, some leagues where people stop paying attention. You've got, you know, maybe like a six-team league, some guy's playing in an office. You know, it's, he, he should probably. We'll be go to six through ten on the list real quick. You just tell me if these guys seem too owned, not owned enough, or just right. Jay Bruce, 86% owned. Seems like he's cooled off since his uh, hot start in Philadelphia. Uh, I would say that's too highly owned. He's at this point a pretty boom or bust pitcher or hitter yes i think he'd be a bust pitcher yes, i don't probably. think he'd be good at that um 
I agree. Scott Kingery, 63% owned. I think it's a little too low. I, yeah. I think Scott Kingery, he's playing every day. He's cut the strikeouts. Um, this was a guy that we were talking about as a top 100 pick right. last year. I mean, Well, I wasn't. Sure, but the fantasy industry right. got really excited about him. He still has that power speed profile. And now I think, you know, in the month of June, he's down to like a 22, 23% strikeout rate. If he can sustain that, I think there's, you know, legitimate potential for him to be a starter at one of the four positions he's Roth J. Bruce for Scott Kingery, right? I would. Yes, me too. Merrill Kelly, 46% owned. He is a two start pitcher last next week. Yeah, and 40, 46% is probably too low given the two start status. He's been pretty good this season. Kelly over Sampson, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Giannis Chirinos, 86% owned. He's been phenomenal basically whenever they've started him. He's had a little trouble with an opener, it seems yeah. like, but he's been very good whenever they've started him. He needs to, He's pretty much a guy you just start, right? Because he started his last four starts. They're not using an opener with him right now. Yeah, and, and obviously in a points league with the Sparp eligibility, he is a must-start player. And then two more pitchers. We're going to skip Roberto Perez. He's 26% owned, whatever. He's a hot catcher. If you want to yeah. use him in two catcher leagues, do it. Dakota Hudson at 67% owned. Nick Pavetta at 76% owned. I don't, I don't really believe in Hudson, and I just kind of throw up my mouth whenever I think about Pavetta because I was so excited about him and then dropped him in too many leagues and then didn't get him back. Uh, I find Hudson to be at least somewhat interesting because he gets so many ground balls that it mitigates the strikeouts a little bit. The one thing is the control is still pretty mediocre. Uh even during this really good stretch since the start of May, he has 20 walks in, in eight starts. That's not terrible, but it's certainly not great. But he might be the be the premier ground ball pitcher in baseball right now. And so, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me to see him with a mid-three ZRA the rest of the way. We'll talk about Thursday's standouts, the Red Hot Twins, and much, much more right after the break. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. We've got more injuries, news, and notes. Yon Mancata hopes to be back Saturday or Sunday. A.J. Pollock could resume baseball activities this week. Adam was talking about adding him earlier in the week. Do you expect A.J. Pollock to come back and be good? I do, but I expected him to be good before the season. I'm right. not sure if a, you know, a, an infected elbow is him? the kind of... Well, it's just I'm not sure if that's the kind of thing that would make him worse. I still think he's a good player. I don't know who he is. So he's been a lot of different things yeah. lately and mostly hurt. Andleton Simmons could return by the end of the month. We were talking before the show. This kind of shocked us. Yeah. We thought he was done for the year. Well, that, yeah. I, I thought the initial uh, diagnosis was a grade three strain, and that's the kind of injury that puts you out, you know, for several months. This would be a month, a month and a half. Um, he is 50% owned right now. That's too high, given that he's not playing. This isn't a guy that you keep on your roster right. when he's hurt. I've dropped him, I think, everywhere except the 2014 Dynasty League, and even there I might have dropped him, but he's a useful player. The Cardinals-Mets game was suspended due to rain, a 4-4 tie in the ninth inning last night. Do we know when they're finishing that game? I have not seen. We should probably figure that out to know if the points count or not, but Jed Lowry is not close to game action. Sounds like the Mets and Cardinals, man, just right in my ear, magic. We'll be resuming that game today. Fantastic. Joey Wendell could be activated by Friday. He's a guy I was kind of excited about. They have like 18 players that can play seven different positions. <laughs> this is the problem with the Rays as an organization for right. fantasy because you know, I wrote this column that we'll talk about a little bit later, fantasy, uh, prospects that are going under the radar, and they've got like four. Their fa farm system is absolutely stacked, but it's all guys who like – are corner infielder, corner outfielders, or middle infielders with positional versatility, and that is not a thing that the Rays are lacking. So, you know, Joey Wendell 
even if he was the guy he was last year, it was like nine home runs, 15 stolen bases, mm-hmm. and a good average. That's useful, but he pretty much needs to play every day for that to be useful, and I'm not sure he's going to. The Astros optioned Derek Fisher to AAA. That didn't last long. Jake Lamb should be back by the end of the month. I, I don't I don't have any. Just don't care at all. It's just, It's been such a long time right. since he's been healthy and productive for a long stretch that I, like, if he comes back and hits four home runs in two weeks when he's off the IL, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested in, but he needs to prove it. I have at least one league, maybe two, where I'm still using Christian Walker. Jake Lamb coming back makes me a little bit nervous. Sure. Because Walker hasn't really done anything to solidify himself as an everyday first baseman. Yeah, he's he got cold. He got a little hotter enough to at least push Kevin Crone. Uh, out of the competition, but he's certainly not someone that I that I think has no chance of losing his job to a guy like Jake Lamb. Yes. Thursday's standouts. Chris, what did you see on Thursday that stood out to you? Live action. <laughs> Are you like watching the play that stood out to you and you wanted to remember it? So this is a new computer. I haven't muted all of the tabs that I need okay. to do. Uh, I've just muted it. <laughs> Let's talk about Jackie Bradley. He's been pretty good since the start of May. He had an abysmal April, but since he had three hits yesterday, since the start of May, he's been something like an 870 OPS guy. We thought there might be some breakout potential. He reworked his swing, and something that we've seen with these swing change guys over the last couple of seasons is it doesn't always click right away. You know, Cattell Marte was a guy who reworked his swing, to try to get more power. You saw a little bit of it in 2018. We're seeing a ton of it in 2019. You know, maybe Jackie Bradley just needed to get some game reps and uh, figure it out. Do you know what Jackie Bradley's current slash line is? Yeah, it's bad. Like, really terrible. April bad. was really, really bad for Jackie. 205, 304, yeah. 355. Yeah. That's one of the worst. Like, that's almost Travis Shaw bad. And you still think Travis Shaw's worth owning? Barely, barely. It's about time. I think it might be okay, but the, Hero back up. The thing is, Jackie Bradley, Hero hit a home run last night. Uh, Jackie Bradley had a 400 OPS in April. Since the start of May, he has a 250, 364, 491 slash line with six home runs. That's better. Yeah. That's that's a lot better. Okay. And he'll steal a couple bases. I, I think he's he's starting to get back into that five outfielder range there were a couple of guys that stood out to me last night and they are both second base eligible prospecty type players that had been terrible and i thought maybe i was getting ready to give up on kevin biggio who double donged nicky lopez who hit his first home run i don't know that i mean biggio is still the most interesting for sure they're both on teams where their playing time really shouldn't be in question because there just aren't any other good players on those teams um but I think you have to give those guys both just a little bit longer now with some sign of life. And Biggio at least has been walking quite a bit as of late. Uh, one other thing that stood out on Thursday, and it didn't happen last night, it happened during the day. But the Twins, just another offensive output. And I just, I, I have to ask, do you buy the Twins in general? And I will say they were my pick to win the American League Central. Yeah, that one's looking pretty good. Yes, I like that one. And specifically, C.J. Crone, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, all having better years than we've ever seen them have. Do you buy this offensive explosion from this team? I buy some parts of it. I don't buy C.J. Crone being an 880 OPS bat. But he did hit 30 home runs last year in 560 plate appearances. So he... He probably deserves more credit than we have given him uh, on this podcast and I think probably in the fantasy community writ large. But I think it's kind of in a Jay Brucey way where he's going to hit for power but not average, fewer RBI than you would probably expect moving forward. Well, and first base is one of those positions where there's, there's not really a lot of great first basemen. I don't know that there's more than 10 that I really feel great about being my starter sure. first baseman. He's but a fine starter. There are about 400 of them that could be in the top 25. Yeah. Like, would you rather have C.J. Crone or Daniel Murphy? Daniel Murphy. C.J. Crone or Eric Hosmer? 
Crone. Okay. Crone or let's do one more here. Matt Olson. Matt Olson. Okay. So I think he he's I think he's a better version of what I expect Crone to be moving forward. Uh, but with regards to Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, and who's the other one? That Jorge Polanco, who has been the best of all of them. I don't I don't understand the Jorge Polanco thing. Um, well, he doesn't strike out. No, no, not very often. Uh, he's walking more this season. But the underlying batted ball metrics don't totally back up what he's doing. I... I Definitely think there's some cooldown coming. He has a 966 OPS, so that's not exactly uh, a bold call. Right. I think the surprising part for Polanco, at least, has been more power than we've ever seen before. Because he did profile as someone that could hit for a high average with a low strikeout rate, good contact skills. But the thing is, at least looking at his Fangraphs page, his fly ball rate was in the low 40s, high 30s for most of his career and it was mostly small sample sizes it's 49 percent this year yeah no i mean and he also still has a 26 percent line drive rate yeah i'm not saying it's totally like i i don't quite get it right and when there are things that i don't quite understand i'm hesitant to make a bold call one way or the other um especially with you know still 64 games is a small sample size there, there's a lot of things that can happen in 64 games um but yeah, he's certainly the most interesting among this group, and he's the most widely owned and widely started. Um, I think Max Kepler is close to being for real. Uh, we yeah. saw last year changes in his swing profile that did not lead to better production. Uh, but he started hitting more fly balls last season. He actually was okay in terms of play, uh, plate discipline against lefties. He just couldn't hit righties last year that was the weird thing um so i i think there are some reasons to believe you know max kepler's a, a another good plate discipline guy who walks a lot i i think there's there's definitely something there i don't know if it's right. like definite starting outfielder in a three outfielder league but it's a good player it's a, it's funny that they have these guys like Kepler and Polanco who are such good plate discipline guys and just do not strike out, and then you've got to contrast them with Byron Buxton and Miguel Sado. And Scope has terrible plate discipline. Right. We've always been so excited about Buxton. He's the number one prospect in baseball. He's given us months where he's been great. I should I say months, plural, not necessarily months back-to-back, <laughs> but like a month here, a month there, and he's been mostly good good so far this year he's on pace for a better than 2020 season he's hitting 267 that's that's not bad for him the strikeout rate is down compared to where it's been in the past around 23 percent is like this is not the byron buxton breakout that we all envisioned two or three years ago this is not the superstar player but as if he is just what he is right now he's pretty much a must-start player in all formats even hitting ninth yeah, and the, you know, the the tough thing is you would expect him to move up in the lineup if he continued to hit well in normal circumstances. But everyone's better than him. But he might be the eighth best hitter in their lineup right now, right. which is incredible. But he's got an 850 OPS. He's got 10 stolen bases. That's good. Yes. Yeah, no, he's someone who, especially in a Roto League, looks like a must-own and must-start player moving forward. Um, you know, and there, there's a chance that the stolen base pace picks up so yeah the the twins are weird i don't know who their very very coach good is or whether it's a new guy but it's not chili davis he probably deserves a raise is what i would say let's talk about last night's pitcher studs being studs a couple of these guys we probably don't need to talk about too much jacob DeCrom, seven innings pitch gave up two earned runs struck out eight he was very very good early season concerns you could just forget about them man Nasty. If you're watching the video show right now, love seeing DeGrom. We've got Zach Grinky who flirted with the no-hitter. Yep. And I don't know how good he actually was. This is one of those times where Adam would get mad at us. Uh, so, yes. I, I I understand what you are saying. In Zach Grinky's case, though, right? I don't think a three-strikeout, seven- and one-third inning performance is one of those, like, well, was he good? Like, yeah, he was good. He's Zach Grinky. This is what he does. This the, the other two quote unquote studs being studs are far more interesting. 
Uh, Marcus Stroman, six innings pitched, gave up two runs. Only one of them was earned. Didn't walk anyone. Only struck out five. Not a big strikeout guy. It was the Orioles. But Adam has been kind of down on Stroman. I've mostly just left Stroman in my starting lineup, and he's had a couple of bad outings, but he's given you a low three ZRA. This is kind of looking like Marcus Stroman, right? Yeah, this is what you wanted Marcus Stroman to be, and it's not that far off from the three the 2017 season. In terms of peripherals, it might be a little bit better. Tons of ground balls. He always does that. It's actually down a little bit, um, but... You know, with a 58% ground ball rate, you're not going to complain. And that's the kind of thing, like I was saying with Dakota Hudson, if you can sustain that and generate the weak contact and get double plays, that is the kind of profile that can outperform peripherals. Oh, but his peripherals are so... like This is the worst Sierra Marcus Stroman has ever had. Sure. It's 4.43. Interesting. Like, I don't... He's not really striking anyone out. Uh, what 19 percent it's 18 percent strikeout rate it's up from last year it's down from 2017 but it's in the same range his walk rate's slightly above his career average but right about where it was yeah, last year i j- i don't understand it really but i just keep starting him whatever and then we have to get to the last guy and i'm not eating crow yet but i'm just not going to say anything about him you can talk about him and it, like they, everybody knows who it is julio Turan, six innings pitched gave up one earned run Three walks, two strikeouts. He now has a sub three ERA. Save me. It's fake. There's nothing <laughs> here. Like, like I'm sorry. Like Zach Davies has been doing this for a while, and nobody feels bad about saying he's going to regress. Of course, Julio Teron. He has an 081 ERA over his last eight starts with 32 strikeouts and 22 walks and 44 innings. He's not really doing anything well. He's got he's got a 172 BABIP. No, there, there's there's nothing here. Like if you've had him in your lineup during this stretch, congratulations. But our job is not to talk about what has happened. I mean, it sort of is. But mostly it's about to tell you what we believe is more likely to happen in the future. And what is more likely to happen in the future is that Julio Teran turns into a total dud. Can I I'm I lied. I'm going to read off a list of names. Okay. There are nine pit qualified starters in baseball that do have a worse Sierra so far this year than Julio Teron. Yeah, the worst pitcher in baseball thing. Like, come on. There's lots there, of bad. There are nine pitchers that have a worse Sierra. Uh, Andrew Kashner. Sure, he's bad. Reynaldo Lopez. He's bad. Zach Davies. He's bad. <laughs> Mike Fires. Yep, he's bad. Aaron Sanchez. Yep. Brett Anderson. Yep. Brad Keller. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two here that you might argue with. Okay. Sandy Alcantara. Mm-hmm. And Marco Gonzalez. No, I mean, the, the like... <laughs> that is a Sandy list of Alcantara terrible is, starting pitchers. Is a very similar pitcher to Julio Teran. He throws hard. You'd think he'd have better strikeout results than he does, but he doesn't. He doesn't really have great control. Like, that'd be the one thing. If if Julio Teran had, like, his last 44 innings, had, like, five walks and was just, like, pinpoint on top of his stuff, commanding everything great, then you could say, okay, well, like Zach Greinke last night. You could say, well, that guy is just so masterful. He's so in control of the art of pitching that when you can throw the ball where you want to, like Zach Greinke does, getting you know called strikes on the corners and you know inducing weak contact because guys have to swing, sure, that's not Julio Tehran. He doesn't have great command. He doesn't have great control. He doesn't have great stuff. These, these stretches happen. <laughs> He's going to have a five ERA the rest of the season. Studs being duds. I guess he'll be on the list of studs being duds soon enough. David Price, an inning and a third last night. Five hits, six earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. He'd been surprisingly good so far this season. Mm -hmm. Absolutely terrible in this start. Is there anything to worry about, or is he still just a top 30 starting pitcher that's never going to get into the top 20? Yeah, I think that's more likely. Um, I do want to look at... You know, I saw some people tweeting last night. I wasn't watching the game because I didn't get home until 8.30 and then I watched the, the NBA Finals game, which was fun. Yeah, it was good. But I saw some people tweeting that they were concerned about how David Price looked. He averaged 91 with his two-seamer, 91 with his four-seamer. So that's definitely a little bit down, but it got better as the start went on. So 
No, as long as this wasn't a sign that the that the elbow issue that he's had the last couple of seasons flared back up, and I there's no reason to believe it is right now, then no, I, I think he'll continue to be a pretty good starting pitcher. Matthew Boyd roughed up by the Royals in Omaha, the first base, Major League Baseball game ever played in Nebraska. Four innings pitched, six hits, five runs, four of them earned, two walks, seven strikeouts against the Royals. He's like, it's his one start. We don't really care, right? He's just good. You've been doubting him a little bit. Sure, but I, yeah, I mean, like, I doubt him as much as I doubt Lucas Giolito or or anyone who has taken this massive step forward because it's not a, a Julio Tehran situation where they're just totally outperforming. No, their uh, peripherals look really good. They're totally outperforming expectations, but not peripherals. But talent fluctuates too. And sometimes, look at Patrick Corbin this year versus last year. Sometimes, and, and in Matthew Boyd's case, that's very similar to Patrick Corbin. There's one very specific thing he started doing, which was throwing his slider a lot more. And there could be a counter to that coming from hitters. Right. And then you have to see if he can counter from there. And so that's the only concerns that I have about it. Yeah. I'm not going to hold a pitch in a college stadium against him. I'm, Were they using aluminum bats? I don't think so. I'm not going to hold pitching at cores against Matt Strom and his no. first outing off the injured list. But there is a guy after Strom that I'm really interested in because I thought he had an ace potential this year. You kind of question him a little bit on Twitter before before this start. I don't know what's going on with him. Jack Flaherty, five and a third, six hits, four earned runs, two walks, eight Ks. A lot of things about Flaherty look as good or better than last year, but the results do not. And it's not like with Lucas Giolito and Matthew Boyd in the opposite direction. It's not like it's just been bad luck. He has a 428 ERA, a 435 FIP, 399 XFIP, 405 Sierra. I had to scroll down to get there. That's why there was a bit of a pause. He just hasn't pitched as well this season, and talent fluctuates he was someone that we looked at and said wow the stuff is so good he can only go up from here but that's not always the case the interesting thing for me at least is like the thing that we were really worried about was can he get the walks under control a little bit last year he's a 9.6 percent walk rate it's down to 8.1 percent this year the strikeout rate at 26.3 is not as good as it was last year Mm -hmm. but it's still like that's still very good i would assume that most pitchers with it i just i don't really like the home runs are a problem Ground ball rate has gone from about average to 36%. He's turned into a fly ball mm-hmm. pitcher this season. And the strikeout rate is good, but not great. Right. Uh, or I, I would it's say great. it's borderline It's great. great, but not elite. Yes. And, you know, with some pitchers, maybe that's the difference. You know, in once you include that ground ball rate and he's generating fewer outs on his own, he's relying on the defense more more balls in play, more balls in the air. That kind of thing can tend to, you know, lead to worse outcomes than you would think given that they're relatively small changes. Two more studs being duds that probably just aren't studs. Jay Happ, five innings pitched, four earned runs, four walks, two strikeouts. I think he threw like 10 consecutive balls at one point during that game. I think he's just bad now. It was a nice stretch for Jay Happ. But this has been terrible. John Lester, five innings pitched, six earned runs. He did strike out seven and walk just one. I, I, I like Lester better than Hap. I assume you do as well. Of course. But I don't really – I'm not excited about having either of these guys on my team. Yeah, Lester's an interesting case because his strikeout rate is up from last year, his walk rate is down, and his ground ball rate is up. Those would all be things that you would think would lead to an improvement in, you know, not just results. And he out- outperformed his peripherals last year, but, you know, peripherals. And they're improved a little bit, but they're still pretty mediocre. It's kind of surprising. I, I feel like, and this could be wrong, a lot of those improvements happened in April and the first part of May. Mm-hmm. And since then, he's mostly just been a bad pitcher again. That's fair. Um, and I, I would have to, I don't have all the peripherals here over his lap, but it, like he, he has been a bad pitcher over the last month for sure. Um, the results have been terrible. Double dongs, Charlie Blackman, Kevin Biggio. We talked about him early. Cody Bellinger still elite. And then Manny Machado. And I think we need to spend a few awesome. minutes on Manny Machado because I, 
I questioned whether Manny Machado is really a difference maker in fantasy really anymore. He has you not were, been. You were talking about him as like a droppable player yesterday. In a 12-team league where you only need one shortstop, I could see it. He has been a relatively average hitter sure. on the road over his entire career. He has been a below average hitter so far this season. Mm-hmm. He is even after the double dong on pace for fewer than 30 home runs. He's not running anymore and he doesn't look like a hitter that's going to hit for a great average. Fair. The the, the stolen bases are really like we were discussing this in the office yesterday and I I was my knee-jerk reaction to you bringing this up was I wasn't that concerned because I thought he had stolen like eight or nine bases. I'm not sure what I had been looking at because he has one stolen base this season. That's the that's where it really I think he can still be a low to mid eight hundreds OPS. I don't think he's an elite bat uh, in a non favorable hitting environment. Let's let's go through my shortstop rankings, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell me who you'd rather have. I know he's not in the top seven, um, so we'll just start from there. Eduardo Escobar, who has been one of the best hitters in baseball this season. Yeah, I guess. Patel Marte. Like all of these guys, it's we're we're relying on two months, basically. Fernando Tatis. Sure, yes. So these, you'd definitely rather have Tatis over Machado. Like the other two you were questionable. I about? think they're really I, I think it's a really tough we're talking about a guy who has a long track record in Machado track record in Machado, even Yes, he's been mostly mediocre on the road, but he still stole bases. He still hit for power. He's still uh, not old. Right, he's, he's right in the middle of his prime. So I think we could see a month where he hits eight home runs and all of a sudden he looks like mostly the guy that we expect. Paul DeYoung has been struggling, but he did hit another home run last night. Paul DeYoung or Randy Machado? I would take Machado. Carlos Correa? Correa. And the only reason he's down this road. Yeah, Correa is injured. Um, and then just, like, here's four more, because I feel like this is kind of where the tier ends. Jorge Polanco, Dansby Swanson, Elvis Andrews, Gene Segura. Yeah, for me, that, that's easy with Machado over those guys. And he's been worse than all of them, yeah. considerably. Um, but maybe he will turn it around. I'm I'm slightly more open to it than I was, even if... All it took was two home runs. Yeah, just a double dong. That can change your mind. Under the radar prospects to know for the second half. What a, yeah. what a great name to a segment. It really rolls off the tongue, catchy. You know, there's a reason I'm the editor. Yes, I can just come up with these, yeah. you know, very catchy headlines. Um, no, I wrote this column yesterday. Scott White, obviously, not here this week. He usually does the prospect report. Uh, so I wanted to kind of put a different twist on it. I went and looked for guys who are at AA or AAA, who Scott hasn't written about this season in his prospects report column. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Christian Pache. Pache? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. It's always fun when you have to say a name that you've never heard before. Um, He was someone that scouts absolutely adored the last couple of seasons, and the production wasn't there. It was very similar to Ronald Acuna before his breakout. He hasn't been nearly as good as Ronald Acuna, but he profiles as an excellent defender, you know, all-world kind of defender um, with some burgeoning pop. And he's at double-A right now. If, if an injury happens, if Nick Markakis continues to struggle, if Andrew Enciarte never gets healthy, it wouldn't be a total shock if, if uh, Pesh got called up. But the Braves tend to be pretty pretty patient. Uh, so the other two guys, and these are like top prospect guys at the top, Sean Murphy, catcher for the Oakland Athletics, still recovering from meniscus surgery, but he looks like a, you know, a very good hitting catcher if he gets back he was on pace for a huge season before his injury was likely to get called up fairly soon so if he can get healthy in the next month could be someone to make an impact in the second half and Gavin Lux for the Dodgers boy I hope they give this kid a chance with Corey Seager out he's a shortstop who probably profiles a little better as a second baseman defensively but great bat has been very good so far this season has really turned it on the last couple years as a hitter I would love to see him get a chance. And then three guys who are really under the radar, don't get a lot of hype, 
Alex Fado for the Tigers, Daniel Johnson for the Indians, Connor Menez for the Giants. Fado, really big strikeout numbers, was a first-round pick out of the University of Florida who has started to pitch better this season. I would expect we see him in the second half for the Tigers. Johnson, I don't know why he's not up with the Indians. This is a guy who was considered an extremely toolsy guy who never quite put it together. Think of like a Franchi Cordero. Um, now he's got close to a 900 OPS in AAA. He's hitting well, hitting for power. And the Indians still have two guys with a sub-650 OPS playing every day in their outfield in, in Jake Bowers and Leonis Martin, plus Tyler Naquin and Jordan Luplo, who probably will be sub-700 OPS bats moving forward. I hope they give this guy a chance. And then Connor Menez, huge strikeout stuff, has gotten his command under control this season and will pitch half his games in Oracle Park, the best hitting environment or best pitching environment in baseball. So I would expect we see him in the second half, possibly as soon as a Madison Bumgarner trade goes down. And he looks really interesting. Not someone who's gotten a lot of love, but huge strikeout numbers with a good part coming up. I think he could be a guy who comes relatively out of nowhere to be a fantasy impact guy. So Alex Fado, Daniel Johnson, and Connor Menez uh, are some of the under-the-radar guys to consider. Two guys you didn't mention. They're not under the radar, but I just want to get the thoughts. Jesus Lazardo is 56% yep. owned. He went three innings and was phenomenal in his first rehab stint. He needs to be owned in more than 56% of leagues, I think. Yeah, definitely a great stash candidate. You know, once once you start that rehab assignment, the start the clock starts ticking. You've got 30 days. Well, but he's... I can't remember if he, if he was does. on the major league roster right. or not. So, but either, yeah, right. I would expect we see him fairly soon. Um, yeah, Jesus Lazardo needs to be owned in more than more than fifty six percent. And then the one Adam Azer wants everyone to know about Brendan McKay. Yeah, he Brendan McKay was the hitter pitcher that the Rays drafted last year, two years ago. They kind of stopped with the hitting part because he wasn't very good at it, but he looked major league ready as a pitcher probably last year. He was considered pretty close coming out of college. We have gotten a couple of emails about this, and I got a text about it last night. So this is going to be our one and only regulators issue for the show. Uh. Thank you. I We don't have the music, so <laughs> we'll just take Chris's grunts. And I don't think they're gross at all. At I would like to read this in whiny Adam voice, but my voice doesn't go that high. By the way, fake news. Brendan McKay is hitting this season. Not really, though. Right. Okay. Um, Adam, I think, has told this story on the podcast many times. He's in a Yahoo League. He thinks Brendan McKay is coming up soon because of information we got from Jim Bowden on our Sunday show last week. And he went and picked him up in this Yahoo League, but we he thought it was weird that he was listed as a first baseman. Yahoo has come out and said the first base version of Brendan McKay will only collect hitting points. At some point in the future, we will create a pitcher version of Brendan McKay. That's the weird part. I don't understand why you would have a hitting version when he has a career 690 OPS in the minors. And not a pitching. And that's what they've done with Shohei Otani, right? There's yeah, two Shohei's. Where pitching, he was incredible last season, making right. it to high A with a 241 ERA for the year. So Adam sent me the text that he sent to his commissioner and we're going to we're going to regulate this situation for him and for all the other people that listened to Adam and went went and added first base Brendan McKay. Hey Brent, what's up? Hey Brent, what's up? That's not a good Adam either. No, I wanted to ask you about Brendan McKay. I think I'm about to get screwed out of a top prospect that is probably going to get called up soon that I was sort of on before everyone else. Can't you just see his swarmy little face? I mean, like, <laughs> you host a fantasy baseball podcast. Congrats like, on being ahead yeah, of everyone. You were else. ahead of everyone else who's like an accountant. Not sure if you saw, but McKay is like Otani. <laughs> he hits and pitches. So Yahoo only has him as a first baseman, even though he's going to come up as a pitcher. He is dominating in the minors. Well, enough people made a fuss about it this week, and now Yahoo said they are going to create a new player the pitcher version of Brendan McKay. I, of course, only own the hitter, but I kind of feel like I should have the pitcher. Otherwise, it'll be first come, first come, first serve, and someone else will get him before I will. Thoughts? I don't disagree with him. Um, Adam's commissioner responded, 
It's going to depend on where you are in the waivers. McKay pitcher is not in the Yahoo list of players. McKay hitter is in the list. I saw you picked him up. So once McKay pitcher called up, Yahoo will have him on waivers for two to three days. This is... This Whoever claims him with highest waiver priority will get him. Like, uh. <laughs> the commissioner is acting by the spirit of the rule, but not the le- the, or the the letter of the rule. The commissioner is the correct. Spirit. The commissioner is correct. You chose... Like, I, no, I'm not but going he to... Didn't s- ha- but he didn't have a chance to pick up Brendan McKay, the pitcher. No one has. He, but he clearly meant... like. His intention that was player to was up. not available. Yes, you like that's that, chose. but that's that's no. It, I think the whole thing is silly, and I'm not going to say anything bad about any other competitors in the industry. But you are playing in a league on Yahoo, who has made it pretty clear how they're going to handle players that have sure. hitters and pitchers. But it is, but the they, pitcher has not been available. The fact that they didn't have the pitcher available when he was so obviously a better prospect as a pitcher than a hitter, like. That's just Adam. Like Adam was correct in going to pick this if, guy up. If I was in that league and wanted the pitcher version, and then saw Adam picked up the hitter version, I would say, okay, I'll just wait until the pitcher version becomes. So Adam responded, said, "All right, I just feel like I was clearly picking up the pitcher. You weren't before anyone else. Maybe I could make my case to the league." Does Adam really think that like he's going to get on the message board and convince the other owners to give him the pitcher Brendan McKay so th- before they get a shot at him? No. Adam is right. Like it is clear what no. his intention was. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. I now I will say, I am okay in a league full of because I've dealt with this myself. Uh, I am okay if in a league full of non-industry people they want to screw over. They're not screwing over. Yeah, they are. No. Yeah, they are. When this player becomes available, everyone gets a shot at him. Adam doesn't get special treatment just because he picked up somebody that doesn't even count. It's been regulated. Uh, Five sleeper hitters for next week, otherwise known as help Heath rank these sleeper hitters. Okay. Because I have to do this later today for the column. Number one for me is pretty clear. Malik Smith. Still underowned. Was going to be my favorite sleeper hitter no matter what his matchups were. And then I went and looked at the sports line matchups. The best matchups for week 13, the Seattle Mariners get the Royals and the Baltimore Orioles. Malik Smith should be 101% owned if only for this week. So he's number one. Number two is a guy, it's interesting, the Athletics don't show as having good matchups this Mm -hmm. week because they have four games against the Rays. But they have seven games. Three of them are against Baltimore. Ramon Laureano is 39% owned. He's been awesome for the last month and a half. So I think he's pretty clear my number two. Then I've got Oscar Mercado. The Cleveland Indians have the second best schedule of week 13 at Texas for four games. Great environment. Three games against the Tigers pitchers. And Mercado has been okay. I mean, I think he's their best outfielder. Uh, Yeah, probably. Which is not saying a lot, but it's sleeper hitters. These aren't all going to be good. Yeah, he, he's been a little surprising because he's hit for some power. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not what you should expect moving forward. But the stolen bases, the matchups, yeah, I, I think that's that's a fine pickup. My fourth sleeper hitter, it's maybe going to not make the top five, but will be in the top ten, Kyle Seeger, 41% owned. Has not been very good since he came back from the injured list. He does get that same schedule as Malik Smith, three against the Royals, four against the Orioles. And I, I would expect that he's going to be fine. Yeah. Like he's not great, but he's going to be fine. One guy we have on our roster in our 16 team league that I don't think I've dropped yet. No, he's been so bad. Though. He's been really bad, but with Corey Seager's injury, I do expect that Enrique Hernandez is going to play more regularly. Yep. He does get seven games at home yep. or against the giants. I almost called them the 49ers <laughs> and three against the Rockies the Broncos. Yes, the Bron- that, that doesn't say din, so I wasn't going to call them the Broncos. But yes, th- three against the Rockies. I I think Hernandez could be an okay middle infielder this week. Sure, I don't I don't think that's that's out of the question. And they also the Dodgers have the third best matchups, the worst matchups, the guys you might want to be a little bit concerned about. The Yankees three against Tampa, four against Houston. It's hard to say with seven games. Yeah, it's seven matchups. games, but the matchups are. I mean, those are the worst matchups you can have. The those Rays the, have been the best yeah. pitching staff in baseball. The Astros, I believe, have been second. So maybe you're a little wary about getting Giancarlo Stanton right back into your lineup. Although he's been so good in his rehab assignment so far that he may just hit the ground running. But that's there's a lot of guys with a lot of bendy pitches. Yeah. on Tampa Bay and, and Houston. 
Uh, the Tigers have only five games. Three of them are against the Indians, two against the Pirates. I, I don't know what Tigers you might want to start anyway. The Rockies are on the road, three at Arizona, three at the Dodgers. Most of their hitters are not good on the road anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously Blackman and Arenado are must-start guys. Story is a must-start guy. I don't know because there's plenty of lefties on those, or at least on the Dodgers. Yeah. I don't know that I'd want to start any of the left-handed Rockies. Yeah. Murphy's a questionable, and he's been very good lately. I'm kind of looking silly on him. Uh, let's get to two-start pitchers, and then we'll finish up with weekend streamers. We already talked about our favorites. I we, There's probably some of the over 70% guys that we at least need to go through and see if we definitely sure. want to start. I mean, obviously, Kershaw, DeGrom. There's so many good – like. You, there's going to be some teams that you just run into a guy that has three aces that all have two starts and, and your season's over or your week's over. Luis Castillo is fantastic. I think you have to start him, but he has the Astros and at Milwaukee. Yeah, there's some potential for, for things to go bad for Castillo. Obviously, the Astros lineup isn't as good as you would think right now, given right. all the injuries, but they're still hitting well enough you know Jordan Alvarez has been awesome since getting called up and he's really helped Patrick Corbin has not been good at all two starts against the Phillies and Braves you're just starting him right I think you just have to start him the next one's really interesting James Paxton yes uh he says he's totally healthy uh Aaron Boone says he's totally healthy but he has not been great since coming back from that knee issue his most recent start I don't think he even went four innings, gave up like six runs. So it's been a uh, tough going for James Paxton lately. And Azer did send us a note that said that Air Boone said it's something we're going to have to watch. Yeah. So it's weird. Like he's totally healthy, but we're gonna have to watch it. Yeah. Um, I Paxton has difficult matchups against the Rays and Astros. Yeah, the Rays lineup is like I was looking at it yesterday. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's I wild. I I don't. I'm probably going to start Paxton, but this might be the last week. I don't think you can start J-Hop. No, no. Tampa Bay and Houston, the Rays no. and Houston, no. Um, Kenta Maeda is a start. Jack Flaherty, one of those is against the Marlins. You just roll him out there, right? Yeah, he's fine. Um, Yanni Chirinos at the Yankees and at Oakland. You don't love the matchups, but two starts. In a points league, he's a no-doubter. Yep. Because he has that spar eligibility, and he's good right but in a roto league i'm i'm starting him but confidence yeah i don't feel super great about you would you rather start zach eflin at washington and against the marlins i think trinos is better so i'd rather start him jake arietta with the same matchups at washington and against the marlins i think i'd rather have eflin than arietta it's a point i think arietta is a points only thing and porcello probably is at minnesota and against toronto points only yeah points only uh, Lance Lynn against the Indians and the White Sox. I, 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 this is another one I just don't understand. Lance Lynn is different for me than Julio Tehran because no, he's been good. I didn't think Lance Lynn was good at the start of the year. He wasn't good for the last two and a half years. He has been good this season. Well, for the most been good part. for a month and a half. Yes, he was really bad in April. I would ex- like I'm starting him in all formats against the Indians and White Sox. Miles Michaelis has kind of been a disaster, but also been pretty unlucky. Lucky he gets the Marlins and the Angels both at home. I'm starting him at least in points. Yeah, I don't feel good about it. And if he's not good this week, yeah, sure, I'll give up after this yeah. week. Uh, Joey Lucchese, the Brewers and the Pirates. Yeah, I think I will. I don't really believe in Joey Lucchese. I think the the peripherals are peripherals are are solid enough. He's a big strikeout guy, lefty. So you know, at least Milwaukee and Pittsburgh's best hitters are lefties, so it neutralizes that a little bit. I, I think he's pretty good. Marcus Stroman against the Angels and Red Sox. Points only. Points only. Zach Plesac at Texas and against the Tigers. I'm starting him. Sure. Now it gets really interesting. We're below seventy percent. We'll just go. Guy by guy, I, I don't think most of these guys were going to want to start. Mike Fires against the Orioles and Tampa Bay, both in Oakland. Maybe in points, but I think you have better options out there. Adrian Sampson against the Indians and White Sox. Would rather start him than Mike Fires. I'd rather start Fires than Sampson. I'd rather start Mer- Merrill Kelly than both of them. Sure. 
Tyler Skaggs. I'd rather start him than Fires. At Toronto, at St. Louis. St. Louis is a tough matchup. Toronto's not really. Skaggs has not been good this season. No, he was okay in his most recent start. Five innings, three runs, yeah. I believe. If, I guess if you get two starts of five innings, three runs, as long as he doesn't lose both of them, then yeah. you're okay with it. Um, he is going up against Stroman and Flaherty, it looks like, in the matchups. So he, can, he might lose both of them. But you say Kikuchi. Do we know what's going on with Has he had a recent one-inning start? I don't think so. But all of his starts have been like three innings, so they decided it was okay? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure because I, I, I did see that. I think the co- the manager was talking about that. Uh, yeah, he made three straight starts of three and a third, got rocked in all of them. So maybe that did change the the expectation a little bit. I don't know. Mike Clevenger is back on Monday against the Rangers and then the Tigers. Roll him out there. Michael Pineda's been okay. Adam suggested adding him to the Twins section about do you believe it. This will work as a good place to do that. He gets the Red Sox at home and at Kansas City. I'm starting him in points. I believe it enough to do that. Yeah, the problem is he is not going deep into games at all. No. And uh, you want that in points. You can live with a guy going five innings and giving up two runs in Roto, but... And you, I mean, you'd be happy with that in points in a two-star week, but he's the kind of guy that if Boston shells him, and that would not be the most surprising thing in the world, um, even a good start against Kansas City could make it not worth your while. Deeper leagues, you have to start one of these four starting pitchers, Chris. Do I? Brett Anderson, Baltimore and Tampa Bay at home. Jason Vargas, red-hot Jason Vargas at Atlanta at Chicago. Danny Duffy at Seattle versus Minnesota and Freddie Peralta at San Diego versus Cincinnati. Duffy at, at Seattle versus Minnesota. Minnesota is incredibly tough matchup, but give me the guy in the good pitchers park against a mediocre lineup that strikes out a lot and who has shown flashes this season. I mean, some of these guys have all shown flashes, but his have been, I think more legitimate because he's been getting some strikeouts. We're going even deeper. Anthony Desclafani against Houston and at Milwaukee. <laughs> no. Yikes. Felix Pena at Toronto at St. Louis. No. He Only, probably won't even, yeah. yeah. Tommy Malone against Kansas City and Baltimore. No. Like, well, okay. We're, the, the matchups are good. We're not in 12-team leagues territory. Sure, sure. We're, we're in this 16-team desperation. Fine, you can consider him in a 15 or 16. Homer Bailey was awesome last night. No. He gets at Seattle and Minnesota. No. Jordan Yamamoto is not going to make two starts, right? Most likely? He may. It just depends on how long it takes Arania and um, Caleb Smith to come back. Very good in his first start. He gets St. Louis on the road, and then it would be at Philadelphia. The one thing I'm concerned about, he's a like middling stuff, good command guy, and... You definitely worry about that kind of hitter facing a or pitcher facing a team two times in a row. Daniel Norris at Pittsburgh and at Cleveland? No. Uh, Alicia Hernandez, who was awesome in the minor leagues, he could possibly get two starts. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to bet on it. I'd rather have Yamamoto than Hernandez. All right, let's run through the weekend streamers real quick. I, I, I really thought I wasn't going to get to this, and Adam was going to yell at me, so I'm glad that we made it. Friday night weekend streamer options. You've given me three choices here, Chris. I'm starting one of them for sure. Yeah. I don't have any faith in the other two. Daniel Ponce de Leon against the Mets. I believe he, he is could, going to discover he could find gold. several earned runs. Um, <laughs> Steve, maybe Todd Frazier will find the fountain of youth against him. Steven Brault against the Miami Marlins. It's a good matchup. Kinda. They're a lot better now. Or the Marlins are hot. Steven Brault's terrible. CeCe Zabathia against the White Sox is starting. the guy you're starting. Because yeah. he's, go- he's not going to help you a lot, but he's not going to probably hurt you, especially against this lineup, which has been improving a little bit. Eloy has remembered how to hit, so that's helpful. On what Saturday, helps is Yon Makata won't be playing, Yeah, um, and he can't hit lefties anyway. So it doesn't really help. I mean, it, it might help if he did play. Yeah, that's true. Saturday, Jimmy Nelson at San Francisco. I don't feel comfortable. No, you can't feel comfortable. But uh, at San Francisco, Francisco, a good place. Yeah. A good place to pitch. I'd much rather start Framber Valdez. Feel safer with him against the Blue Jays. And I think there's more upside with Newcomb against Phillies. Yeah. I don't. I don't think any of these guys are very likely to go more than six innings. Yeah. Um, Newcomb. 
I sent you a trade offer for him in the Dynasty League. Yeah. You need a catcher desperately in that league. You're trying to make a run at the title. You've not accepted or declined the offer. No, no I've, I'm sitting on a couple offers in that league. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. You're going to wait until after Newcomb start on Saturday. Probably. I'm going to have to withdraw it until after that. Because if he get, gives up seven runs in the first inning and then you mash the accept button, I'm going to be very mad at you. Yeah, there's no commissioner approval in that league. On Sunday, Ariel Hirado. Against the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, it's not a great option. I'd prefer <laughs> Spencer Turnbull against Cleveland. That's probably, like, Scott would be mad at us. Because when we gave our favorite weekend streamers, we talked about Framber, Jimmy Nelson, Sean Newcomb. Spencer Turnbull has been better than all of them so yep. far. He's also a little bit um, fluky. Sure. His peripherals show a pitcher that's probably a low 4 ZRA guy. Sure. But I'm okay. A, a low 4 ZRA guy against Cleveland is... Yes. Like a mid to high three ZR, I guess. Absolutely. That's going to do it for Not Kokomo Friday. We will talk to you on Monday, and thank goodness Adam will be back.